Hello and welcome back to Family Law, a case for children. When we last met, we discussed fostering in Anglo-Saxon England. It must be noted that not every family in Anglo-Saxon England fostered, although the Saxons were accustomed to the idea of fostering, children being sent to households of close kin or other households for the sake of education. But it had the added bonus of strengthening ties between families and thereby creating and maintaining social bonds. With the introduction of Christianity, Catholicism in England, children were fostered into the church. The term for this type of fostering was known as oblation. This will be our discussion today. But first, a quick detour to the Bible, to the story of Hannah, found in 1 Samuel 1 to 1 Samuel 2 to 11. The story tells of Hannah, who is barren, and cries out to God to give her a child, and she states, if God quits neglecting her and goes into action for her, she will give her son completely, unreservedly to him. She will set him apart for a life of holy discipline. The story goes on that God does hear Hannah and answer her prayer. Hannah, in turn, after her son has been weaned, does as she has promised. He was then between the ages of three and four. Verse 11 states, The boy stayed and served God in the company of Eli the priest. I am no theologian, but I felt it incumbent on me to state the relationship between Hannah and God in the Old Testament is not reflective of what was happening in Anglo-Saxon England and in Europe. Child oblation is defined as the offering and dedication of a child to monastic life. To better understand oblation and its impact our case study will be Godstruck of Obis. Godstruck, whose name means servant of God, was given as a child oblate by his father, a Saxon count, along with a land donation to the Benedictine Abbey in Fulda in Western Germany. The belief then was that the generosity of the land would reflect well on them in the world to come and also possibly to provide for Godstruck's needs. During the Caroligan dynasty, which ran between 750 to 887 AD, this became a common way of male boys entering the monastery. This is not to say that oblation did not occur before then. The practice of donating children to monasteries was widespread in Europe and England before the Benedict, the Benedict Abbot of Mount Carson wrote his rules for monastic life in the 6th century. Oblation had the added benefit of being a strategic way for families to establish spiritual ties with the religious institution, which at the time was very powerful. God's strict birth is not known, but 
because he was given as an oblate in Charlemagne's lifetime, Charlemagne died in 814, and oblates could not be younger than 10, it can be inferred that he was possibly born in 803 AD. Around 822, Godstruck's name appeared on the memorial list from Fulda, and his name also appeared there in 825 and 826. And from 827 to 828, from Rikar, his name was also on the list, indicating that the monks prayed for him as a member of their community. On his return from Rikar, Godstruck claimed that during his childhood, before the age of understanding, he was forced by his tutor to take the monastic vow and tonsured. Now, tonsured means the cutting or the shaving of some or all of the hair on the scalp as a sign of religious humility. And he argued that this was done against his will. He also asked for the return of the inheritance which was donated to the monastery. His tutor did not take that lightly. And he stated that he was ungrateful for the nurturing that he received, referring to Godstruck. So Godstruck tried to escape the confines of the abbey by arguing he had not chosen a monastic life. He lost his case. Church councils in the 6th and 7th century repeatedly stated that parental vow to give the child to the monastery could not be revoked. However, the Council of Aking in 817, the question of consent arose, and it stated that a boy given by his parents should confirm his parental vow once he had attained the age of understanding. In 829 AD, Godstruck appealed to the Synod in Maze. He sued his abbot, Rabanus, stating he was enslaved to monastic life because, according to Saxon's law, a man could be deprived of his freedom only in the presence of Saxon witnesses, which had not been fulfilled when he took his vow. Rabanus, who was the abbot of Fulda at the time, argued that the property had been inherited by Louis the Pious. He considered it heresy for Godstruck to wish himself free under such justification. The bishops found that Godstruck was to be absolved of his monastic oath by canonical authority. The balance of the ruling seemed to give the abbot the right to determine if Godstruck should be compensated. So Godstruck gained his freedom, but sources contradict each other as to whether or not he was able to acquire his inheritance. Some say yes, and others say no. And although Godstruck's case occurred in the Frankish kingdom, the similarities with Anglo-Saxon England are unmistakable. Therefore, we will spend a few minutes discussing Godstruck's case 
and oblation, concluding with whether or not there is a case to answer. I am aware that we are doing the Saxons, but I wanted to give a brief description of the monastic life for a child. Um, but the only thing I could get was from the medieval um, era, where the chronicles reveal that Oblate's life to be a merciless rounds of prayer and brutality. If they offended their masters, they were beaten with the rod or pulled sharply by their hair. However, they were never chastised with kicks or fists or the palm of the hands. I guess it's something to be grateful for. The rod was pervasive. As with every and any minor infraction, it was used. For example, if they were slow in rising. And this was God's just life. Although an argument can be made about chastisement, as it was the thing that was done at the time, the rigidity, however, that was applied to the life of the children is very questionable. So here we have children dedicated to monasteries, possibly because they were the younger son or daughter, and it was difficult to provide a dowry or inheritance, probably an unwanted pregnancy, or general, general rebelliousness. But in God's case, he had an inheritance. And from sources, it seemed to that he was dedicated to the monastery for religious reasons. So Godstruck was taken from his family and placed in a curious world of the cloister. Whomever had the lion's share of being responsible for him, he would have attached to, as any child, even a child abused by their parents, still cling to them and love them. In Godstruck's case, it seemed to have been Rabinus, who was the person he was attached to. As a result, it could easily be concluded that to please his abbot, he would take an oath, not being fully aware of the full consequences of the action he was taking at the time. Being a child, he would not appreciate what it was to take the monastic oath and the length of time it would mean his life would be dedicated to that institution. Therefore, the question that arises is why would anyone think it would be a good idea to get a child to make decisions that would affect their entire lives when they're too young to appreciate the consequences of their actions? The monasteries offered the opportunity for a marvelous education. So example, we have Bede, the historian. He was also a child oblate, and he was given to the Benedict Biscop to care for. Um, and there were monasteries, but one of the monasteries that he spent time in was in Harrow. He wrote scientific, historical, and theological works. And in the seventh century, we have St. Gall, the wandering Irish monk, who founded the abbey near Lake Constance. He also was a child oblate. Godstruck himself was well educated 
and this can be seen in his poetry. And this poem, extracts of this poem, was said to be written whilst he was confined in his early years. And I quote, Why, little son, do you ask me to sing a sweet song when I am in exile far away in the sea? Or why are you asking me to sing? Or why are you asking me to sing? Or why are you asking me to sing? And later in the poem he writes, To him I will sing willingly. In the meantime, little one, I'll sing with my mouth, I will sing with my mind. I'll sing in the day and I'll sing at night. A sweet song for you, most holy king, most holy king, most holy king. This shows there was a willingness for loving God. However, the way it was done tainted the journey. And the question, you know, that is brought is, was the cost of a first-rate education worth the trauma some of those boys and girls suffered? An argument can be made for that error on the links that were made in a monastery and how that would aid them in later life. But is that sufficient? However, if we go to the boys who are men now, who have accused Ian Ways of abuse at Fetters College and Edinburgh Academy in the 1960s and 70s in Scotland, they may argue that the good ties and the great education was not worth the trauma they suffered. And Gottschalk in his time would have argued the same, I believe. Gottschalk was able to argue under the provisions of the Council of Aachen, which was held in 817 AD, that he was not at the age of understanding when he made his vow and as a result should be released from it. But the crux of his argument was his right to have Saxon witnesses at his oblation. A Saxon, not a Frank or Roman or any other person, Although noble by birth or honorable by way of life, cannot be a witness unless he was a Saxon witness. And from the information, Rabinus accepted God's argument. But here lies another question. Although one can argue that this is just semantics, this was the entire life of a young man. Adequate steps should have been taken if for no other reason than the fact that they were monks and professed to be Christians. And also in cases where one group of people or an institution wield great power, should they not be held to a higher standard? Should the semantics not be more important? Finally, we will look at the inheritance the donation of land that was given when he was given to the monastery. Some sources state that he was able to get possession of his property when he was given his freedom. If he did, then while free, he would have a source of income to live on. If not, this is a young man who spent the lion's share of his life in the monastery. When free, 
how would he be able to care for himself without an income? Saxon law allowed for the disinheriting of a son, assuming the land went to the crown or the church. Fulda was a royal abbey. Kotschuk was stuffed. And although I can accept that this was the law at the time, the Synod in 1817 should have gone further and offered reparation, which was not dependent on the abbot, but on the facts of the case before them. So we have the introduction of Catholicism, which meant that the church took to carry out rules which were done by family members or nannies. So children were fostered into the church, but there were no secular laws or guidelines as to the child and their property when they were given to the church if they chose to leave. And although an education acquired at the time in the monastery, it was first class, and important alliances were made. Most children did not have a choice as to whether or not they took a vow as a monk. With Godstruck, if his poem is actually written in his youth, it shows his turmoil. I would therefore state that the welfare of the child or the children at that time were not considered. And on a balance of probabilities, I believe there is a case to answer. Both parent and church in the instant above did not act as reasonable, responsible adults. Therefore, children like Godstruck and many others were failed by society. This is the end of Godstruck. I do hope you enjoyed the story in Godstruct because I enjoyed looking for through the research papers and having a good read of it. There is so much more information about him. Um, so I do hope you enjoyed this, this podcast. I will be taking a break until the 8th of January. I do hope you will join me then. We will continue to look at fostering in England as to what was actually happening here. And I do hope you will join me for that. Have a good Christmas.